Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Razzball Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We had a nice, nice all-star break of what felt like a million years, but I think it was only three weeks. This is Reed. We are joined by Viz, who is the hostage caller voice modifier today. Viz, how's it going, buddy? Um, hopefully it goes all right with this microphone on my backup computer because my main laptop crashed. Thankfully, it had two weeks left on the warranty but i'm waiting for the new one to come in but things are going well um parked my car on the wrong side of the street and forgot to move it and avoided a ticket today so that was a good start i suppose nothing like a little panic just running down the stairs praying to god that you just don't have a 40 dollar parking ticket first thing when you wake up in the morning yeah that's got to be the most tilting thing to start off anyone's morning for the most part um i guess let's dive right into some of the big news that's um well let's start with some injuries um the first injury is the salary cap situation for both ottawa and the la kings with their uh trade that they made over i think it was wednesday or was it tuesday they made that trade regardless it was um it was uh dion Phaneuf and nate i forget thompson yeah nate thompson for Marion Gabrick and Nick Shore. Um I like okay, so Mary Gabrick has three more years left on his deal. I think he's being paid six million a year. The the cap hit, I believe, is like four point something. The the, the senators actually save money out of this though, because Fanuf's contract is so massive. Well, well, that too. But it, I mean, part of it was just Gabrick's money was a bit front loaded. So uh, I'm trying to bring it up now on their team, but uh, <laughs> of course, the page I go to doesn't have it updated. But in terms of actual money, Ottawa is going to end up saving about five million dollars in this trade, which is what they're gaining. I mean, I suppose. You know, there is some chance eventually that Gabrick just retires or gives up, <laughs> basically, and then they'll get out of that end of it. But yeah, he's looking at a cap at a 4.875, but next year he only gets paid 4.5, then 3.2, then 3.1. So they're saving a lot of money, even even with them retaining 25% of uh, Fano's salary. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's talk about why the Kings made this trade. Um, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. Uh, Gabrick really can't play anymore, and Fanuf kind of can, at least on a third pair. I mean, I assume they're going to put him on their second pair right away, which I don't think is going to go well. But I guess they're looking at it that way, that you know they don't care about the money and – Fanuf is still an NHL player, albeit one that is wildly overpaid, where I'm not even sure Gabrick is at this point. I mean, he looked pretty shot to me the last few times that I've watched the Kings. I guess that's what they're going for. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Ottawa, he is uh, scheduled to play on their first line tonight uh, against the Sabres, so there's that. Um so we'll see if it actually sticks or what they're doing, you know, what happens. But 
I mean, it's a great spot to be in with Hoffman and Duchesne. I'm just not convinced that he's going to do much of anything and will still be fantasy irrelevant. I mean, I guess there's some chance that Fanoff becomes fantasy relevant again only because, like, what are they going to, like, they don't have a ton of power play guys as it is. Like, they've been playing Muzzin with Dowdy, so that means on the, on the second unit you're looking at between Fanoff, Martinez, and Paul Ledoux now. I don't know what way they're going to go with it. But the thing with Fanoff is if he's, if he's playing at, like, a 35 to 40-point pace, he can be relevant just because of the pally minutes and the decent shot rate and everything. So let's wait and see. But I mean, I, I kind of, I definitely understand it from Otto's point of view. I mean, I still don't love it because, you know, Fanuf can still play and Kebrick really can't. Like, he's absolutely toast. But they got out of money, and you know that's going to matter because they're going to need money to give it to Carlson. So in that regard, it does make sense and. I don't. Know. I don't particularly like it from the the Kings side, but like I said, they do get someone who can still play somewhat. Yeah. Um. I think this is more of a future move by Ottawa, just freeing up some like money, freeing up some cap space, hoping that Gabrick retires. Just getting an idea of, well, we need this FNF contract off the books because it's so painful. Right. It was so yeah, painful. That, that, their cap situation is atrocious. Oh, um, it's awful. They just gave Thompson this extension, too. I'm like, what do you do? And they immediately traded like they realized they made the mistake and just got out of it. Like, you don't give, you know, 32, 33-year-old bottom sixers two-year deals for, you know, $3.3 million total. Like, the smarter teams are never going to be committing to – bottom sixers for this long anyway it's just not gonna happen right so i guess in that regard you know it's smarter than to get out of it and shore has shown the occasional flash like i'm not expecting too much from him but I'd, i mean i'd rather have him than thompson just because there is some hope there he's still only 24 years old you have him under you know control he's an rfa at the end of the year so it's a it's a move in the right direction for Ottawa, like you said, mostly just to clear space. Because I mean, their books for next year are already so awful that getting out of Fanuf and getting out of Fanuf going forward is is a big win. Because I mean, worst case, if they need to, they can buy out Gabrick, and it's going to be way less of a hit than buying out Fanuf. So right, that's the big one. Right. Um. Yeah, and I guess it all comes back to the idea of maybe they're doing this so that they can actually pay Eric Carlson what he's asking for. Mm-hmm. But if I'm Eric Carlson, do I really stick around in Ottawa? I don't know. Some people want, like, the maybe he wants to stay there for his whole career. You know, so it matters a lot. It seems like to some of those European guys, they like to stay. You know, Lundqvist doesn't want to leave the Rangers at all. You know, he just wants to be there his whole career. As long as they're going to give him ten or more million a year, I, you have to consider it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not going to be the guy to tell him that he should leave or he should stay. That's completely up to the player, and it's his right to leave if he does, decides that he doesn't like where where Otto was going. I mean, if they traded Hoffman, now you're looking even more bleaker depending on what you return. So. I mean, I don't know. I saw the actually the idea of Hoffman for R and H straight up, and I actually thought that made 
some sense for both teams, but I don't know. If they, if, if they just get draft picks back for Hoffman, by the time they're really good again, Carlson's going to be like 29, 30 years old, and then that's a tougher situation to be in too. So uh, Ottawa's got to do whatever they can to keep him and try to convince him. And I mean, I would, I would just be a guess if I had any idea whether he wants to stay or not. Um, let's see. So I guess like actual player injury news, um, Eric Carlson will play tonight. It, there was reports that he left practice. He actually will play tonight. So, but I think it's something to keep an eye on because if he leaves practice uncomfortable, that's not a good sign that he's a hundred percent healthy for the game that night. Um, just something to wait and see. Uh, Corey Schneider for the devils was put on IR for a groin injury on Monday. That's, um, that's troubling because for a goalie, the groin is sort of an important muscle for <laughs> like playing the position. So, that's for sure. Uh, something to keep in mind: Mike Smith for Calgary is day to day with a lower body injury. Ooh, I was I was watching this and I thought he just blew out his groin. Like yeah. the way he reacted, I think they're lucky that it's only what it is. I mean, I picked up David Riddich in a few leagues, thinking Smith was like maybe going to be out for two months or something they, like yeah, it looked awful they're only saying he's out again for tonight and could be back after that uh I mean, i'm fine with grabbing riddich if you if you want to the problem is i mean they're playing Nashville today so it would be more for down the line if this groin injury lingers with smith but i can't remember a goalie ever having to leave the game i mean there was 1.2 seconds left and the way he fell it just it just looked like he destroyed his grind so luckily for him and the flames because they desperately need him uh, it wasn't that and you know elliot who is worth talking about because the flyers have got on an incredible run uh, according to the athletic now they're 72 percent to make the playoffs and now he's out five to six weeks with was a core muscle surgery so it's michael neuber's job i've been saying for a while i think he's actually better than elliot he is better than elliot so this might be a blessing in disguise in some ways but on the other hand i mean i don't know who they're going to even have backing him up and they might just you know if they're not that convinced on norbert as they've never been they might have to trade for somebody whether it's laner morazic whoever i mean the interesting thing is even though Morazic's an RFA, I think I think teams are starting to view him as a as a rental because he's he has to get a pay raise from the four million he's getting this year as an RFA, and I don't think teams are going to want to give that to him. So that might keep the price down a decent amount. But I mean, I would be kind of comfortable just going with Neuverth unless he struggles over the next week or two. How about you? Yeah, I think they should roll with Neuverth, but based on their like starting history and the games that they're starting these goalies, they really think that Elliot was a much better goalie than Neuverth, which I, I don't understand. But because of that, it makes me think they're going to have to go and acquire a goalie. Um, now it comes down to, do you want Mrazek or Leonard? Cause Leonard's an RFA after this year as well. Like, yeah. Like I which mean, one, which one do you want back there is essentially the que- the question and I mean I think I'd rather have Leonard. So I if yeah, I'm I would Philly, too. I mean, it's, I, <laughs> it's tough. Like it's, I feel like if you trade for later, it's more of a you're more committing to him than you are to Morazic, 
which I know doesn't really make sense because they're both RFAs, but the price of Laner is going to be more than it is for Mirazic at this point. So, I mean, it's how convinced are you with with him going forward, too? I mean, you just signed Elliot, but, I mean, he already is on the older side, surprisingly. You, you look at, you know, what they owe those guys going forward. You know, the Sabres could take back whoever in a trade, too. Like, that's not that's not a problem at all. You know, Elliot has $3 million next year and a 2.75 cap hit, like, if they traded him to the Sabres in a laner deal and he was splitting next year with Olmark. Linus Olmark, that would be fine. You know, even Neuvirth's got one more year left. Now, obviously, they wouldn't trade him right now given that Elliott's out, but you get the point. They could go a few different directions with this. I, I don't know. I've always just been impressed with Neuvirth, and I think he deserves more of a shot. But it, like I said, a lot depends on how it goes over the next week or two before the trade deadline we're what 10 days away now yeah we're less away. we're we're within the two week marker so it's mm-hmm. um it'll be exciting to see i think this trade deadline might actually have a little bit more movement um than is sort of being like hyped up because there are a lot of teams who could make the playoffs this year like you go to the you go to the east there are like uh, New Jersey and Carolina hold the two wild card spots with sixty four and sixty three points. You still have Columbus with sixty two, Islanders with sixty. Florida is actually not too far out with fifty six, and they have games in hand. So yeah, the, the Athletic has them up to twenty four percent. So I mean that's way it, that was like sixteen I think when we did the last podcast. So. They're yeah, definitely moving in the right and direction. they have four more games at home than they do on the road the rest of the way. So, like, they have a favorable schedule coming. And up. they got and they have both their goalies back now too. Yes, I'm not sure how much I like them for fantasy purposes, but they're both they're both back. Yeah, and whatever, it's for um, whatever it's worth. It looks like Huberdo and uh, Barkov are heating back up, and the key is they're getting secondary scoring, which is so important. For uh, Florida, that's what we talked about last time when we recorded. Was they have they've done they have the hard part figured out. It's just getting the complementary pieces sorted out for the most part. And I mean the complementary pieces are scoring, so that's always helpful. Um, yeah, sure. The reason people I didn't include the Rangers who have fifty nine points is they sent out a letter which we can discuss whether it's smart enough to do smarter not smart to do. Pretty much saying, like, there are famous faces on this team, there are popular faces on this team that will probably not be here after the trade deadline. Um, Honestly, like, fans are smart enough to know when a team's going to be a seller. This might as well have just said, hey, for those of you who aren't smart enough to realize that we're a seller, we're going to be a seller at the trade deadline. Um, And it's smart. I I think it's smart for them to be sellers. I agree. Absolutely. They're going to get of first and other stuff for Nash. They're going to get something good for Grabner. If they decide to move McDonough or Zook or Miller or other guys, then they're going to even get more. And they have a good enough uh, prospect pool that it shouldn't take them long to be good again. Like they called up John Gilmore and Neil Pionk and they've been their third pair and they've been their best pair with McDonough hurt right now. 
they've been their best pair in the couple games that I watched. So I don't think it's going to – and Lundqvist is still at like a 920 save percentage. You know, he's had a few duds, but that's – you know, the team in front of him has fallen off. Buchnevich is, is hurt right now. Kreider, we don't know when he's going to be back. They have so many injuries, it's just unrealistic to expect them to get in the playoffs. And like I said, I think they could retool pretty quick anyway. So I think it makes a ton of sense. I mean, obviously, if someone offers them something huge for McDonough, they'll do it. I think, you know, you put McDonough on Tampa Bay or Boston, and it's a game changer for those teams. Yes. I think, you know, Zook is a guy who can help any team. Nash can help any team. I know there's been a lot of uh, Nash to Nashville reports, which I think would make a lot of sense. Uh, They just have so many pieces, and there's so few teams that have a lot of pieces that are selling, you know, the Sabres, they have Kane, and if they decide to move later, and then it's, you know, flotsam. You know, and you know, Ottawa is really like Hoffman is all they're talking about now. And Arizona doesn't have much at all. And, you know, Chicago, if they try to sell off, they don't have much at all. So the Rangers can legitimately have, I don't know, four or five of the best ten pieces out there if they really want to. And depending on how the next couple of weeks go, if teams want to push, they – could definitely overhaul or you know stock up their system really quick to add to you know those defensemen I mentioned. Obviously, Chittle, who they drafted in the first round last year, and uh, Anderson, their other first round pick. So it, I think it makes a ton of sense given you know you have to already hop three teams to get to fifth in the division. You know, the athletic is their playoff percentage is at eight percent, and I, that's probably about right. You know, yeah. So it, it makes a lot of sense for them to not blow it up, but I mean, if you were Jeff Gordon, I believe he's still the GM there. He is. Yeah, I mean, who would who would be untouchable in the organization? Chittle, Anderson. Is it crazy that I think that's about it? No, not really. I mean, Lundqvist, I'm not even considering. He's his own thing. Uh, like, if some team blows me out of the water for Lundqvist, I have to listen, right? Like, my yeah, window's well, closed. He, I'm selling. I think at this point, he's has some sort of no trade. I don't think you even could do it without his help, but I could be wrong. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they're... He would make a ton of sense on the Islanders, but those two teams have never made a trade in the history of their franchises, which is kind of funny. something tells me they won't that that won't really continue either. I don't think no. that they'll uh, make no, that he's, trade. Yeah, he's got a full no movement, so I doubt he's going anywhere. If he doesn't want to, that is. So, I mean, I really again Zabinijad, Shea, Buchnevich, I think would be the other three that I would be. It would take a very good deal of other young guys coming back to consider it, but that would be about it. It's it's not a ton of guys. Like I said, they so many of these guys are free agents after next year anyway that it kind of worked out for them the perfect time for them to sell at McDonough if they're not going to bring him back or want to trade him is now because the teams get two playoff runs with McDonough then. you know. So if he goes to Tampa, I mean <laughs> – it's great. Tampa's probably, I don't know, Tampa's a favorite at that point. I mean, they already are kind of, but Boston's made it interesting for the division, though. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Boston 
does Boston really want to make it interesting for the division? I don't. I don't know. I. Don't I know. I, I'm really like torn on this because we talked about it last year, and you talked, you alluded to it a couple times earlier this year, where Boston might actually be better off sitting at the number two spot in the division, and then just playing Toronto in the first round because I think they'd beat up on Toronto. I know Toronto's well, nine and one in their last ten, but like, so it's kind of interesting because. Pittsburgh's won so much that I think they're pretty clearly going to be number two in the division now. So you don't have to worry about playing them. You're looking more in the Columbus, Carolina, Devils, Islanders. Range, Flyers still into Islanders. Yeah, like all those teams are still in play. So I I think I guess I, I, at that point I'd rather just have home ice. But it, it's close. I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, actually. I didn't realize Boston's really about to pass Tampa Bay. I didn't realize they got it within one point. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's so razor thin. I mean, part of me wants to see Tampa Bay Toronto because the over unders in those games are going to be like seven. <laughs> oh my god, there'd be so much scoring. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. But I think at that point, I'd rather just try to get home ice. But it's not that big of a deal either way. I mean. I, I thought that they weren't going to ride Rask as much down the stretch, and that's why I was a little worried about him. But, you know, they've been – they're so close down to the top that they might use him as much as they did. I mean, the only, their only loss in, in February is to the friggin' Sabres, which is – Without Jack Eichel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got hurt in the first – Yeah, we should talk about that. Seems game. like a kind of a large injury. Jack Eichel is out yeah. for four to six weeks. As far as I'm concerned, they're just going to shut him down for the rest of the season. So it depends how bad it is. You know, Reinhardt lives with them. He said, you know, it's nowhere near as bad as the last one. So if it's one of those things where if he's on the shorter end, three to four weeks, he's healed with a month to go. I bet he's back. But if it's a six-week thing (laughs) and there's two weeks left in the season, they'll probably just say enjoy the extra two weeks off. It's hard to say at this point. I mean, if. If you didn't have IR spots in a redraft, I probably would just cut them just in case because there is some chance he is shut down. But, you know, the good thing has been that Ryan O'Reilly and Sam Reinhardt have really stepped up, uh, especially, well, both of them. But since Eichel went down, O'Reilly has three, three or back-to-back three-point games. Uh, you know, he was excellent against Colorado, his old team. Play like 26 minutes. Also won 29 face-offs, which is just so absurd. Like, I don't remember anyone ever getting that high. And then he followed up with 25 the next game against Tampa. His minutes are just through the roof right now. And obviously, he should be owned everywhere at this point. Uh, I think it is more interesting to talk about Reinhardt, though, because everyone's just, you know, thinking he's a bust. You know, he's definitely not worthy of number two pick, all that stuff. But... He's got 16 points the last 13 games now. He's been a point per game for 28-18. What are your thoughts just on Reinhardt in general going forward? Where do you expect him to turn out to be? Uh, I mean, obviously, you can either hold him or definitely stream him now while he's this hot, again, especially when they play Ottawa tonight. But uh, just general Reinhardt thoughts going forward. Um, I actually think he's a hold rest of the season. Um, he's going to see increased minutes with Eichel being out. He and O'Reilly are 
two of the hottest players in the league right now. I mean, 16 points in the last 13 games, or is it 12 games, or whatever it is. That like that's pretty good. Um, they're also playing with more speed. They get they're putting the slower guys sort of at the bottom of the ro- bottom of the lineup, and then it, like bringing up players that have actual speed and skill. Uh, on the power play, this was the worst power play in the league for a majority of the season, and all of a sudden, the past what month and a half, they've really started to click. And yeah, Eichel was a big part of that, but they're still clicking on the power play even without Eichel. So, it, to me, it feels like he's gonna keep producing, and uh, his uh, shot rates in the nineteen nineteen point four nineteen point six percent over the last thirteen games. And mostly you say that's unsustainable. Um, I believe Crosby was at like 21% last year with his shooting percentage. It was, if it wasn't 21%, it was something like really close to the 19.6 that Reinhardt currently has. Um, And you found that a lot of Crosby's goals weren't just like shots from the top of the circles. They were right in front of the net, which is where a player could have a relatively sustainable high shooting percentage. Reinhardt's mm-hmm. goals aren't from the top of the circles. He's not sniping from, like, the blue line. He's scoring from right in front of the net, deflections, tips, rebounds. So it, I think it is a little bit more sustainable. Um, I, I'd hold him the rest of the season because I think he's he's in a contract year too. Like, uh, we always talk about, you talk about it in football all the time, oh, this player's in the contract year, he's going to go off. Hockey, it's almost the same thing. Most of, like ninety percent of the time, players in the contract here, he's going to go off. Reinhardt started really bad for a lot of this season, and this past stretch, he's just caught fire. And I, I don't really see a reason. Like tonight, they play Ottawa. Why wouldn't you love Reinhardt in that game? Oh, yeah, there's no reason not to like what he's doing right now. I mean, it's against everybody too. I mean, it's not like he's killing bad teams only so yeah i mean he has more points in this calendar year than he did in last year for the season like i think it was like he had 13 points the first 42 games and then 16 points the next 13 or something crazy like that i mean i see him as a guy i think going forward eventually he's going to settle in the 60 point range some years he's going to go even higher others lower depending on the power play points i mean there's so much variance here to year on how good a power play is. You see it with the Sabres alone. Now they're on fire again, but it went from the best power play in the league to being second last and then dead last for a while once Columbus got a little better. And that'll be a huge part of Reinhardt's value because we know he's never going to be a big power minute guy. And, you know, the shot rate is up to two a game. I think it could get a little higher, but he's never going to be some huge volume shooter. So you, he needs those, like, 60 points to be a hold. I think he's going to get there on a regular basis, though. We're just, he's, he just turned 22 years old. He's just starting to come into his game. And we're, we've been blessed with Eichel and Line A and McDavid and Matthews and all these young guys coming in the league right away and tearing it up that we forget for a lot of guys. It just takes a little bit of time. And I think Reinhardt's one of those guys because – you know, he doesn't have that blazing speed that other guys do. You know, in his game is more just getting to the right spots constantly, knowing the right hockey play, and 
now he's finally settled in not shouldn't be dropped to the bottom six at any point anymore and getting the minutes he deserves so i don't know i'm extremely encouraged and you're right money wise the sabers probably will be fine it's not like this stretch is going to cost or get him a lot more money but either way if they got to pay a little more to lock him up i think they're fine with it because it's just so encouraging with how well he's done yeah i agree um we should talk about carolina um I guess by we, I mean I want to talk about Carolina. <laughs> um, Sebastian Ajo and Tevu Teravainen are just killing it. Ter- uh, Ajo, I believe, is up to 46 points on the season. He's uh, he's pacing the Hurricanes. Um, they just beat up on the Kings 7-3, to which obviously was the thing that prompted the Dion Phaneuf trade. Just kidding. Um, Carolina has just opened it up. Uh, Bill Peters, our head coach, was really laying into the players. Uh, and then the new ownership takes over. And they're burying the bad players that have awful contracts, the slower players. They're burying them in the minors. And it's working. Like, they're playing faster. They're playing better. They're scoring more. And the, um, and the goaltending has been good enough. I mean, yes, I streamed Darling against the Canucks, and even that scared me. But he only gave up one goal. Cam Ward has been solid, which is all they really need. I mean, they're up to to fifty nine percent according to the Athletic to make the playoffs. Uh, end up beating New Jersey by a point and a half for the last spot is what they have it right now. I, I feel even probably a little better than that, even with their chances. I, I just think. The team's very talented, and you know, as long as the goaltending doesn't completely shit itself, for lack of a better way to put it, like they should be just fine. They're scoring, they're dominating. You know, they they're probably not going to make a move for a rental. It sounds like, but they do want to get you know a middle six forward if the guy has you know another year left or so on his deal. That would help. I mean, but they don't desperately need it either. You know, like. They're fine with what they have. The young guys are playing very well offensively. You know, Falk had a hat trick in that game. He had all his uh, overdue positive regression come right away. It was funny. Uh, Elliot Friedman in his 31 thoughts wrote, you know, Detroit was talking about trying to get Falk or some other teams. And, you know, Carolina might want to hold on just because, oh, his shooting percentage was like two and a half. And then, boom, hat trick the next night. But, uh, you're right. Ajo's had a big year. Even you know Skinner hasn't had as good of a year, but thankfully for them, you know Teravainen 45 points, Ajo 46 points. I mean, we're looking at guys who are going to be at 65 to 70 points, which is great for them. Justin Williams, solid. Uh, you know, the, just the blue line in general has been good as expected, and it's only going to get better going forward. I mean, they didn't even get much from Lindholm or Rask this year either, which you know we were hoping on. I, I don't know if you were Ron Francis. I mean, what would you be looking at? Is it just like a middle six forward, or would you try to get a Hoffman or someone else who's actually signed going forward if they can get it done? I think I try and get somebody who's signed because I'm trying to think of what contracts they really have. Like, no, first of I mean all, they're trying to dump Marcus Kruger at this point, but it's not like he's making so much money that it's like hurting them. He's just 
flopped since he was there. And I mean, they basically took him back just to get better players back. So it, it, he was a throw in to begin with for their, you know, fourth line basically. But yeah, wasn't that in the uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk trade? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Like. So it's weird. Like, do you, if you're Carolina, do you part with a defenseman because you have so many pro, like defensive like prospects that you're okay moving a defenseman? I mean, you better get something damn good back, or you, you could consider, consider trading Jake Bean instead to someone else. You know, instead of if you don't want to give up your first round pick, I mean, Bean is worth at least a quality first at this point. Probably more than any first that any team is going to be willing to trade at the deadline. Exactly. So I I would consider moving him if it's for a Hoffman piece. If Ottawa wanted someone that was a good prospect, because eventually I don't see why he couldn't be on their top pair with Shabbat at some point once and whether Carlson's there or he's not. You know, because Bean's still only eighteen years old by the time Carlson's in his mid thirties, he'll only be twenty five. So. That would make some sense to me. I mean, I guess you could put Hayden Fleury in play too. I don't. I just don't know how they prefer or how they would rank these guys in terms of value. I mean, to me, I think I would go. It's either Hannafin or, Sla, or Slavin first, and I, I'm almost tempted to say Slavin, but we'll just say because they have him locked up for a long time at a reasonable price. That's why I think Slavin's one. I mean, they have Hannafin right now in the third pair. You're right. Like, oh no, they locked up. Oh no! Yeah, his extension hasn't even started yet. Yeah, he he signed for five point three million starting next year for the next seven years. So yeah, like it, that's just absurd. So after that, though, I don't know how they would rank. You know, like Fall, Pessy, uh, Flurry, Bean. Even though he's not on the team yet, just how they rank these guys going forward. It's an interesting discussion because if we had any idea, we know who's more likely to be in play to get moved. I, I think anyone besides Hannafin and Slavin are probably in play. Although they did just give, you know, they gave Pessy that long-term deal too. He's got six years at four million a year that starts next year. So I don't think they'd move him before his contract even kicks in. I think Flurry, you know, he's. A 20-year-old defenseman, so again, I don't want to overreact to him at all. You know how he's been. He hasn't been that great when he's played. Maybe someone, he was a top-ten pick, so maybe someone really does want him going forward, and he could be your main piece. They have they have some options for sure, but I mean, outside of you know depth forwards, the only guy older than 30 years old is Stahl. Or not Stahl, Justin Williams, sorry. You, you're looking at so many guys who are in their low 20s. I mean, it's crazy to think Skinner and Falk are still only 24 years old. They've been around forever. Victor Rask is still 23. Vine in 22. Lindholm, 22. Ajo, 19. Team's only going to get better. So if you can find some way to add to that core, I think you got to do it, even if it costs you a, a decent amount, whether it is Bean or Flurry or someone else. I just don't see a middling move for them. I think they're going to add some, like, third liner is a rental. Or they're going to make some bigger trade. And I'm not sure the bigger trade is out there. But I think they should at least consider it. 
Yeah, I. So they can't go too crazy because eventually, you know, the they kind of remind me of Dallas in a way from like a year ago. Now they're further behind where Dallas was just because you know Ben and Sagan were otherworldly, but they just needed a goalie so bad, and Carolina still needs a goalie so bad, and I don't think they're the type of team that's going to commit to Laner, and there's no one else really available. But at some point, they're going to have to get a goalie. And with all these other contracts kicking in, it's it's not going to get tough, but they're, they're not going to want to bring back someone who's making a ton of money or who's they're going to have to extend soon and give them six, seven million because all their young guys are going to get raises. I mean, Ajo's not going to be making 925K for too long, you know? So Right. It is a balancing act, but, you know, Hoffman, like I mentioned, he's only making like 5.6 for the next two years. I think he would be a perfect fit, and you could you still have plenty of ammo to try to find a goalie at some point. I mean, Cam Ward is old as hell. I know he's playing well, but you can't count on him much longer. And Darling's been a failure, so that's the the biggest problem going forward is finding a goalie. But I don't know. Ben Bishop became available. Guys are just going to become available. At some point, I don't know, in Nashville, they're going to have to do something with Cyrus or Rene in a year or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so many young goalies, too, that are coming up. Calgary, Calgary's got about five goalies between, you know, Smith and Riddish now, but they have uh, John Gillies and then Tyler Parsons, who was the U.S. goalie on the gold medal team last year in the World Juniors. There's plenty of teams that are going to be forced to move goalies sooner and later. They'll have so much ammo, even if they make a move to get one of them. So, I wouldn't be too worried about that at this deadline. But I think Ron Francis is goal again, and he thought he had it solved last summer with Darling. And to be fair to him, I thought Darling was going to be great there, but it didn't work out. And now you have to to go for it again next summer with somebody, whoever it is. Yeah, it um. It's definitely the real test of a GM is how do you solve a problem in the most efficient way? And he thought he did it with Scott Darling. Doesn't look like that's the answer. Um, do we want to get into the... Uh, is there anything else we really want to talk about? Or are we just heading right to the three-point challenge? Actually, no. There is something I want to talk about. Okay, um, I was going to say, I mean, McKinnon got hurt since we did this last time, too, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be much longer, thankfully. It might be like a week or two at most. Yeah. He's skating again. He just doesn't have a – he has a non-contact jersey on. So mm-hmm. um, I want to talk about uh, P.K. Subban and the, and the Montreal Canadiens and why there's – like, I don't know how you can root for the Canadiens – when they literally sit there and just say P.K. Subban's the worst, he's selfish, he's arrogant. First of all, arrogant is what the NHL needs out of its players. They need actual personalities. I love Connor McDavid's game, but holy fucking shit, he's got to stop being a square off the ice. Um, I think Sidney Crosby, one of the best players to ever play the game, really was too much of a non-personality to play like that's how you grow the sport is you get 
fans in, interested in players and invested in these individuals who are shining personalities, and P.K. Subban's one of them. Um, Nashville beats Montreal, I think it was in overtime they won, like 3-2. to two. Subban objectively did not have a good game, but he celebrated after the game because they won. Montreal players kept saying they're saying PK makes it all about himself. Why are you? Uh, he wasn't a team player. He only cared about himself. Uh, I'm I'm sick of hearing about that. I, I don't know about you. But I'm just done hearing about Montreal Canadiens players, fans, the organization saying that PK Subban didn't care about anybody else. Dude donated ten million fucking dollars to a children's hospital. In Montreal. And it wasn't completed by uh, until after he got traded in Nashville. And he still followed through with the fucking project. Don't tell me he doesn't. He only cares about himself. Uh, Montreal is just such. It's such a backward thinking organization. And it feels like it's, cr- it's crept into the players. Like who gives a fuck? They just beat you. He's allowed to celebrate. Your team stinks this year. Yeah, it's not soccer where when you score a goal against your old team, you usually don't celebrate. Like, it, it's so – I'm so over it. It's so stupid. I'm so, I'm so I mean, done it, with it, it. He honestly should be, like, the face of the NHL. Like, just his personality and everything. But, I mean, it's just it's never going to happen. They don't even – think there is no face of the NHL. That's the I problem. Guess it's Crosby, but it's tough to do. Because like, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He's sort of bland. And then you look right. at, okay, what are the two best young players in the league right now? McDavid and Austin Matthews, both playing Canadian markets. So with a league that has 24 teams in the United States, like, who's the face? It should be P.K. Subban. It should be someone like Jack Eichel who does say things from time to time. But they're just not because Eichel's not on a good team. It's a smaller market in Buffalo. And Subban, like, it, he just gets buried by, like, nonsense. Yeah, you keep having these guys and... These old school 60 to 70 year old guys who just, like, don't... Who don't... Like wa- that he's, I don't know, eccentric. Like, why? Like, he's bringing energy and excitement to the game. Like, I just don't understand any of it. I'm so over even talking about it because... It's like not even a conversation worth having. It's just like so clear cut on one side. Like, why are we even debating this? Like, <laughs> we're in agreement here because there, there even really isn't a debate in our minds. If the guy wants to celebrate, if he wants to, you know, be a goofball sometimes in warm ups, like who cares? If he starts playing bad and you want to talk about it for a little bit, fine, whatever. But. Not when he's playing some of the best hockey of his career. He's legitimately in the Norris discussion, in my mind. Don't tell me about, you know, celebrating. Let's talk about how good he's playing and how he's back to being, like, peak Montreal Subban, not the Subban we saw last year who struggled a decent bit compared to his standards offensively. I mean, he's the number one defenseman in the player right now. Now, I know Hedman's would be out of him if he didn't miss a couple weeks because they raise their thin close. But Subban's been a monster. I mean, he's on pace for, like, over 20 goals. Yeah. He's just been great in every sense of the word. And 
He's helped him overcome, you know, Alice being out for an eternity. She's, I love the guy. He's amazing, and you know, he's a big reason why Nashville's the favorite in the West. I mean, do we Probably just do we? Margin. I mean, do we want to use the R word for why we think that there are people in the league who don't like PK Subban? Uh, I'm. Yeah, I guess in some cases, maybe I think you know part of it is just he's different, and not just because of the color of his skin. He's just, his personality is so much different from the norm of hockey players. You know, it's different in basketball when you see the guys all the time. You actually see their faces all the time. You know, they're interviewed constantly. There's no player interviews during games. You know, there's occasionally on NBC they'll interview a guy before the game. Maybe someone in intermission, but probably not. So you don't see the guys as much. But they they see him more because they feel the need to show him goofing around in warm-ups sometimes or whatever. There's so many underlying things, and maybe it's just uh, NBC not being comfortable with marketing him more. I don't know. I mean, they were when they made the cup, but why did it take so long? I, I don't There's so many things here that so many factors yeah it's so dumb it it's really dumb and those comments i think it was brendan gallagher it's like dude your team sucks like pk suman's like yeah we have a great team and we have a great goalie like yeah that like you have that so you're allowed to celebrate after you win a fucking game right so what is he supposed to do not even skate down to the other team's net and like you know, give Renee or Saros a nudge to the helmet, a good game. Like, is he supposed to just stand there and not celebrate at all? I just don't, I don't get it. It's the same shit with baseball. And like people get mad about some guy bat flipping or doing something like, man, I love bat flips. Relax, relax. I love bat flips. That Jose Batista bat flip. Like that's like the quintessential playoff highlight. You'll never forget that. We'll be 90 fucking years old and we'll still remember, hey, do you remember when Jose Batista <laughs> hit that homer and he did the bat flip with the stare down? Like, how amazing was that? Yeah. Like, how, how many memes and gifs were created off of that moment? Like, you're allowed to do that. It's called celebrating. It's called sports. I mean, for fuck's sake. Yeah, like, I don't... It's so dumb. Like, I don't need a guy going nuts a pitcher like every time he strikes someone out or something but if he wins the game at the end and he wants to do something fine as long as he like the team wasn't up five runs and he gave up four and then one by a game or one by one and it's like the fernando rodney special he'll celebrate like he fucking won the world series after he gave up three runs but held on for dear life to get the win <laughs> but yeah i just i don't know football of all things finally let guys celebrate again this year and how and, much fun was it and you know I, I don't i don't think it's a hockey problem i i mean general i mean guys you see more celebrating after goals now in general like not immediately going to the huddle you're just seeing more creative things uh, it's fine like i just it's just a non-story to me yeah. just let them let people be who they want to be i remember as long as it's not directly hurting you in some way just let him be, man. I remember, I think it was Ovechkin's second year, and he had he was on, like, the biggest heater of all time. And he scored a goal, and then he put his stick down, and he started, like, it was, like, too hot, and that's what he was, like, animating. Mm-hmm. And there were people saying, like, oh, this is classless. Man, shut the fuck up. 
Yeah. Like, I dude, mean, it's like, celebrating. You might as well just put us like a picture of old man yells at cloud on your chest and be like, yeah, that's me. Cause that's what it is. Like it's old man yells at cloud. Like, dude, you're allowed to celebrate. That's what makes fans love it. Good God. If you're trying to grow the sport, let the people fucking celebrate. Let's just let them celebrate. I don't understand. Like, why are you so against celebrating? Like you're the sport's not going to grow. If it's just bland, it's not going to yeah, grow. I, if it's just bland and nothingness. What was the top? Okay. Think about the commercials you remember from the Super Bowl. What's one of the most memorable ones? What's the one people still talk about? Besides, it's a Tide ad because, first of all, marketing <laughs> genius. Whoever that was should have gotten a massive pay raise. One of the most memorable ones was Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. practicing celebrations for a touchdown. Like, people love that shit. And if you can't celebrate a performance on the ice, if you can't celebrate a team win, the fuck good is it? I'd love it if a closer, after every time he gets a save, he pulls the shooter McGavin from uh, Happy Gilmore, pulls out the double pistols, and shoots that home plate. Like, I'd love it. I and th- That's why John Rocker, when he did play, was amazing to watch. Because he'd get all animated and hyped up. It was great. That's what you want to see. You want to see players invested. Emotionally invested in the game, not fucking robots. So yeah, I, I mean, remember when uh, when Anisimov did the pretend like he was shooting? This goalie on Tampa Bay. They they talked about they showed it a lot in uh, in Hard Knocks when he pretended to shoot uh, the other team's goalie after he scored a goal with his <laughs> stick, and uh, I guess that that's like maybe a little overline if you want to. I don't know, whatever. Every other celebration has, like, no effect on the other, like, I don't know. It started a brawl, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, everyone made it seem like you, like, actually shot him or something. It, I, I don't know. We, it, it seemed like that NHL was going in the right direction in this regard. And believe me, there's so much wrong still. And it I, <laughs> this wasn't a story until Subban goes back there. And, like, now I got to hear this nonsense again. It's just. Oh, I, I can't wait for the day in five years, ten years, whenever the hell it's going to be that we just never have to hear about any of this shit. It's just the norm at that point. Just let guys celebrate, man. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had a rant there. It was just like no, no. something I had seen. I was at a pond hockey tournament this past weekend, and I and I was like watching – I like saw it and then I was reading the comments afterwards. I'm just thinking, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, what is wrong with this organization? Like, they deserve for trading away PK Subban for Shea Weber Strip. Like, they deserve to suck for 30 years straight. Like, complete ineptitude. Like, like what is wrong with them? Like, and then they trade away Sergachev, who was the only defensive prospect they had who was going to really, like, step up. It's like, oh, my God, you morons. You absolute morons. <laughs> you complete ass clowns. So, like, they, they deserve everything. They have a terrible GM. Like, they deserve everything bad that happens to them in terms of, like, um... Everything bad that happens to them in terms of, like, player personnel decisions. 
Like, I, I hope they pick, like, 11th in the draft, just so it's, like, impossible for them to actually hit. Because I don't trust them drafting at all either. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, for their sake, right now the Athletic has them finishing uh, fifth last, something like that. But, I mean, the margins are kind of, they're close between, like, the Oilers and them and the Red Wings and even Chicago and the Rangers. And they're they're ranked to finish last out of all that group. Like, I can't see them finishing worse than Buffalo, Arizona, Ottawa, or Vancouver. So they're probably capped at fifth going into the lottery. But it could get worse for sure. Yeah. Um. Also, one last thing. Can, we can just say that we were both right in picking Chicago to miss the playoffs. Like, they're done, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it took. They're 12. getting hurt so sealed it. But. They're 12 yeah, I mean, points out. Like. They're exactly 1% on the Athletics as Detroit has a better chance to make it in the East somehow than Chicago does. Yeah, they're they're dead. And, yeah, I'm not completely shocked. It's we, it's only going to get worse going forward, too. I don't want to go on a long rant, but now that they're done, can Quenville start playing to bring Cat like 17 minutes a game, 18 minutes? If I have to see another box score with him playing like 12 or 13 minutes after he had three points a game before, I'm going to lose my mind. He's your one young, exciting player on this roster. Play him. some legitimate top six minutes. It's better for your team for the Play him with Kane. Good God. Or Taves. I don't care. Like I know Taves (laughs) is having a down here, but just get him in the minutes. Um, Yeah, let's let's do a three-point challenge quick. Yeah, let's do it. A lot of games tonight. Top 10 in points, Kucherov, Goudreau, McDavid, Kessel, Giroux, Malkin, Voracek, Crosby, Stamkos, Tavares. Um, a lot of lopsided games today. We got Sharks at home against the Canucks. Vegas at home against the Oilers. Uh, Tampa Bay at home against Detroit. Pittsburgh at home against L.A. Even Nashville at home against Calgary without Smith. There's a lot of huge favorites tonight. Um, let's talk about some of the other interesting games, like some road teams that I actually like quite a bit. Uh, I like Carolina at New Jersey. Carolina, as I said, just they're scoring everywhere, and New Jersey's been slumping lately. I I don't see any reason why Carolina can't keep rolling. Um, you know, and the betting at the betting line, I kind of I kind of like the Rangers to be honest. I just I don't trust this Islanders team is just so bad defensively right now. That I mean, they can just lose any game five to three, and it's just no surprise. I, it, getting a plus price on the Rangers, I like, kind of like that. Actually, it seems a little crazy, but I don't know. It, I don't. I just don't like this Islanders team right now. Just they're just so bad defensively. Um. Yeah, I mean, as far as important games go, I mean if. Calgary can find a way to get a point or whatever against Nashville, it would be big. Uh, you know, Anaheim, if they want to get back in it, they have to beat Chicago. They, they, I expect the, them to beat Chicago. Yeah, they, you know, they're they just got to get on some sort of a run. Uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, I feel like a lot of these games are pretty lopsided. I think the game I I I'm kind of intrigued by maybe the most is Minnesota Washington. Minnesota's playing really well right now. They've gotten themselves up to, let's see, 74% to make the playoffs. Granted, that's as the second wild card, and they'd have to play uh, Nashville or Vegas, depending. But still, you know, they're getting close to locking it up. And 
Washington's obviously a lock to make the playoffs, but you know they getting home ice again would be nice. So I think that's probably the most like even game of the night between two good teams. Every other game, it's there's either like a bad team. I mean, I guess Carolina and New Jersey, but that's like a tier below. All the other games either have someone bad or they're just lopsided. Um. Okay, in terms of goalies, I think it's um I think it's something to keep in mind. I know Robin Leonard has not been overly amazing lately, and they're on the road. Do you want to guess what his record is against the against uh, Senators? Ottawa? Yeah, against Ottawa, I'm he's sure played seven I games. Know it's, I know it's I know it's really good. His numbers are really good. He's five zero and two I'm, with a one thirty nine goals against average and a nine fifty five save percentage. Um, you add I like a good I like a good revenge game. Yeah, you add that with a lot of uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Sam Reinhart just being on absolute fire. Like, if you're doing daily fantasy, I would love a Leonard play with O'Reilly and Reinhardt. They're both on the same line. They're not overly expensive. No, I can get behind that for sure. Yeah. I mean, O'Reilly plays like 25 minutes a game now, so, like, how do you not? How do you not play him? For sure. Um, Especially with the... Ever fleet of foot Marion Gabrick now in the lineup for Ottawa. <laughs> like, like, I mean, they should be able to skate kind of like circles around them. It should be like playing with a power play for the most part. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm expecting from Vegas tonight against Edmonton. Yes. I mean, even, even Pittsburgh against the Kings. I mean, the, King, the Kings just got slower with enough, too, so. <laughs> I mean, if there's if there's a game you want, like I said, I kind of want to watch Minnesota Washington. Is there a game that you want to watch more than more than the others? Or no? uh, I think I'd really want to watch Calgary Nashville, but that's about it. Um, game yeah. I absolutely have no interest in watching. Um, Montreal at Arizona, just <laughs> yeah, what, straight up going to tell you that game's going to be like two to one or two nothing. I know Montreal got shut out two nothing last game. Good for them. Yeah, actually, um, oh, go ahead and finish. I almost say, expect like something kind of similar. Like I kind of like Antti Ranta in DFS too. I, he's yes. been playing a lot better. I think, you know, I think even for season long leagues, he's a tier above desperation now. I think you could actually use him in pretty much any home matchup. I would feel decent about. Yeah, so, you I know, think they're, they've actually won two games in a row. They're five, four, and one in their last ten. Like. Arizona actually hasn't been playing horrible lately. No. They just started off so miserable. Right. Yeah, I mean, they were just so bad. But and with Eichel being out, I think yeah, the athletics projections have them only finishing a point behind the Sabres, which, I mean, it really that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Arizona, you know, it, on one hand, it's super discouraging to be this bad again after, you know, I thought they would be like a 500, a fake 500 team, but they should be encouraged a little bit, you know, with how Keller played open the year and he's playing a little better uh, with how like depth guys like Christian Fisher has looked pretty good. Uh, the former second round pick like they, besides Domi, they haven't had really any disappointments. So I don't, they need a superstar, you know, they got screwed out of uh, McDavid or Eichel when Edmonton jumped over them. So 
maybe this they'll get this guy in this draft at least, which will be nice. But like I, I still wouldn't be completely discouraged with where the team was going if I was John Chaya, the Drew Chakia, the GM. Yeah, the like twenty seven or twenty eight year old GM that they have. I wouldn't <laughs> be discouraged either. Um, like it's one thing where there's two guys, McDavid and Eichel, and you end up picking third, and it's like, okay, well, this kind of sucks. Um, and, and the thing is, too, like, everyone really liked Dylan Strom as a prospect, too. Like, not at that level, but – and, again, you don't, as we talked about with Reiner and the other guys, you don't want to give up on him completely. Right. But the fact that he still can't get settled into the NHL is troubling. Troublesome. Yeah. Um, but then, like, there are, what, six players that are really good? There's, like, Darlene, and then there's a bunch of really, really, really good prospects coming out. Like, yeah. They're not if they finish in last or if they finish in the bottom three, they can't miss out on one of these guys. Like they're right. going to get one of them. For sure. That's what like that's what you want. So you can't really like be upset about that. No, not at all. So who are who are you liking for three points tonight? So I actually like Ryan O'Reilly. Um I, I think the Sabres are gonna I think the Sabres are gonna body Ottawa tonight. Uh I really do. They actually play Buffalo plays better on the road than they do at home. I think they're going to I think they're going to beat up on Ottawa. And my secondary pick would be Sebastian Aho. He had a 3-point night the other night. I fully expect him and Tara Vina to just tear it up again tonight. In fact, that's why I'm stacking both of them in DFS. <laughs> so um I think I'm going to go with Marsha's show. Um I'm debating just because I think the top line will probably match up with McDavid, but they should get a fair amount of power play opportunities. Edmonton's power play or penalty kills a dumpster fire. And I, I mean, they gave up seven to Florida the other day, Trocek at Atrick and most of the other top guys had two points. So I just, I can't see any chance of them stopping, uh, stopping the top or Vegas in general. Like, David Perron is a guy who I've been waiting to regress, but second lines have been killing Edmonton, so I actually wouldn't mind him in DFS either. But I'm just going to go with Marsha Show and hope that uh, that Vegas is, dominates them at home and rolls to an easy win, which I'm somewhat expecting. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Marsha Show is a very good play there. Yeah, he's he's just been unbelievable. It's still crazy to me that he didn't make the All Star game. Not that it really matters, but uh, he hasn't slowed down at all at a point per game. Every everything's there. He's the one guy on Vegas that I have no doubts about. Like going forward, like Carlson, you no, know, could regret. He's gonna regress some. He's not gonna shoot this wall every year. I think Perron and Howell for sure are going to regress some, but Marshall Show really might just be this good at this point. I can't disagree with you there. I think he is that good. And I think Florida made a big mistake letting him go. Yep, we hit on that already before, so uh, we can call it a podcast there, I guess. Yeah, so just uh, post your three-point challenge in the comments section below. Um, if you have any topics you want us to discuss – I think next week we're really going to start diving into like potential trades and then obviously the week after we will discuss the trades like we'll just yeah. cuz that by that point the trade deadline will have passed 
And we'll go from there. Yep. So. Um, sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, sorry about the the break, but we'll get back to doing this at least once a week again, maybe, uh, maybe to the week of the trade deadline or something. But um, well, that's it for now. And, you know, we'll talk to everybody soon. Take yep. it easy. Take care, everyone.